Lights for August 2nd, Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. If you're out by the airport looking for a bite, might we suggest the apron at the Western Wall Center YVR, eat locally fresh, eat well. Massacres with Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches and conducting things. And this show, a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Richmond. We can get you into the 23 Frontier from 644 monthly, the 23 Rogue from $99 weekly, and the 23 Sentra from $83 weekly. And as we like to it say, Blake Price. all good at Applewood, and those new Frontiers are pretty nice-looking trucks, too. Yes, they are. Gorgeous. Saw one the other day pulled up on me, a brand new one, too. Absolutely sparkling. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you, who will be the worst team among the Canadian seven next season? You can vote for Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, or other. And if you're going off the board, please specify in reply. Vote at Sikharison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. The Argos have to lose sometime. The Stamps have to win at home at some point. I'm going to take a big swing on Friday night football here and take the Stamps to win at plus 325. I like the value on your Bodog line of the day. You know, it's funny. A little trivia for the Mm. two of you guys. Let's go back the last five years in descending order, so most recent first. Worst of the Canadian seven teams last year was whom? Montreal. Correct. Previous year? Montreal. Correct. Year before that? Vancouver. Very good, (laughs) Craig. Canadian division. Full mouth. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Are we interrupting lunch over there? Do you eat after the top of the show? Is that part of your routine? Oh, I don't have to chime here for a while. Matt and Blake are going to kick the ball around here. Is that how this works? I didn't know you'd be pop quizzing us off the top. Year before that, Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Correct. Ottawa. Year before that? Very good. So, are you trying to irk Yerky with that pronunciation? It's a reference to an Uh, SNL, (laughs) or sorry, uh, an SCTV. uh, faux documentary. Oh, yes. is our? Am I hearing Eugene Levy there? I forget uh, who was the narration, but it was it was okay. a narration. It's like a blowing scene. We went to the nation's capital of Canada, yeah. Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear Eugene Levy's voice there. Montreal finished twenty eighth in the overall league standings last year, thirty second the previous year. You'll remember they had the first overall pick. Vancouver finished 24th, just a point below the Ottawa Senators in the year of the Canadian division. And then the Senators, the two previous years, really bottomed out. They were 30th and 31st. And, of course, that year they were 31st was prior to the Kraken uh, getting here. That was dead last in the National Hockey League. So we've had Canadian teams right near or at the bottom rung of the NHL standings in three of the past five seasons, Blake. I'm voting Montreal here because I still think they're a year away, but you can see progress in La Belle Province. You can see progress in the nation's capital. 
it's not out of the realm, particularly if Thatcher Demko gets hurt again, that Vancouver can be trying to stave off being that last place Canadian team. And then there's Winnipeg and Calgary, whom we're not necessarily sure. And I imagine they're getting some of the other votes here because people anticipate that their rosters will be further weakened by either a Connor Hellebuck trade in Winnipeg, maybe even Mark Shifley, or by some combination of Lindholm, Backlund, and Hannafin leaving the Calgary lineup before opening night. Your thoughts? I, I think Calgary is a real wild card. I mean, I, I could see them being very good, and I could see them just swirling into the center of the earth and being terrible. Um, and, and I think, I think Winnipeg's a prime candidate to be the second worst team in Canada. <laughs> like, I think they're good enough not to be the worst, but only that, you know, that's, that's the confidence I have in them. Um, and the Montreal to me is a bit of a wild card too. So, um, Hey, let me, let me throw this at you. We talked, talked about this with Jeff last week. Um, uh, the Montreal Canadiens for being such a terrible team the last couple of years and not exactly, you know, having a rosy forecast for this mm-hmm. season either. They are deep at center ice, Blake. Yep. Yep. Suzuki and Doc, the two young centermen that they're going forward with, they re-sign Sean Monaghan, who can play the middle. They trade for Alex Newhook, who can play the middle. Christian Dvorak, who has been a pretty steady third-line center for the most part. And then Jake Evans, who's pretty good for them, their Stanley Cup year as well as Rem Pitlick, who can also play the middle. Jeff and I were sort of kicking around last week. Might there be a third-line center there for the Vancouver Canucks available via trade? Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, potentially. Uh, You don't often go to the bottom of the league standings for surplus at center and a guy who might move and play up your lineup, but I could see that happening here with the Canucks and the Montreal Canadiens, like if they're willing to move off Dvorak, who is that's the four, prime candidate. Yeah, he's four point four five million, so the Vancouver would have to account for that salary wise. He's got a couple years left. I mean, they're not trading Doc Newhook or Suzuki. One would think, and I don't think they would re- uh, trade Sean Monahan either. But you know, Evans as well at one point seven million. He's got two more years of club control, and and Pitlick's a one point one million guy in his final year. So. I just sort of wonder there whether or not you're looking at a guy and and Dvorak, um, or sorry, yeah, Evans is a right shot too, whether there's a guy there that might sh- might shake free uh, or be available here as we get closer the, to the The tra- problem uh, is, of course, they're over the cap as well. They're a crappy team that's over the cap. Um, you know, they, they want relief as well. So getting relief from Christian Dvorak probably would, would suit them well, but they can't take much back in return, you know. Um, now you say they're over the cap. Is that accounting for carry yeah, price on does. LCIR? Because yeah. that's a ten million dollar plus uh, uh, salary, which of course the Montreal Canadiens will not be accounting 18 for. Eighteen no uh, trade on the list cap. for Dvorak too that needs to be noted yep. as well. So yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, no. Uh, for years there. Boy, it was several Canadian teams that were trolling right at the bottom. I I, I think all ships are rising here uh, amongst the Canadian seven. Calgary and Winnipeg may not be as good, but Vancouver, Montreal, Ottawa, the three weak sisters over the last half decade, I think all three of them could stand. uh, uh, I think all three of them could improve 
Early ENO. No, you're right. If you go scroll down, um, there's uh, preseason LTIR candidate estimates. So cap space with LTIR candidates, it is at 6.2. So they do have some cap space. You're right. Uh, Andy Strickland in St. Louis says he's aware of five players, five names from the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team who will be facing suspensions for their role in a group sexual assault that is being investigated by authorities there in London, Ontario, as well as the league. This is another shoe to drop here in the NHL offseason. We've talked about Calgary and Winnipeg, whether or not they're going to be making deals. We've talked about Eric Carlson, the deal that just seems to be forever in the making there. And then not to mention some of these remaining free agents and Matt Dumba and Pius Suter. But when we talk about some of the available names out there, I have a feeling we're going to get an intersection with some of these five players who are going to be suspended, Blake. So uh, I, I think that will bring us a little bit more clarity perhaps with some players who are still out there and available and why they haven't yet found NHL homes. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it, it's going to be an interesting, I mean, do we have a timeline on when this fully oh, it's gets supposed to be out? soon here? Uh, all yeah, the indications are that. It, yeah, no, I know. Well, it's, you know, the NHL isn't typically quick to address bad news, yeah. but I, I mean, this has been a longstanding investigation and I suspect we're going to find out some names here and players are going to face suspension and perhaps more, right? Because authorities are still investigating well, this from a. If you're the NHL, you want to do this sooner rather than later because you don't want this at all tied up in and around training camps, hmm. right? So if you release this news soonish, gosh, by the time training camp rolls around and guys are really facing microphones, I mean, that's six, seven weeks from yeah. now. Um, you're still going to face it, but not with the same fervor, I don't think. See, you know? I, so, think I, I think NHL member clubs are well aware who the players. Probably, yes. yes. Who the yeah. central figures are here. I, I, I would bet my bottom dollar. I think they've had a pretty good inkling for, they, for months. Oh, yeah. I would bet my yeah. bottom dollar that if Hockey Canada itself and through talking to different Hockey Canada people, clubs were able to do their own reporting on this and find out you know, who is going to be Amongst the central figures, I would suspect for those clubs who needed assistance on that, the National Hockey League was also uh, happy to help because I do think that the NHL faces and the teams that have these players do face some tough questions here, as you say, coming up in trade uh, uh, come training camp. And this all comes on a day where the uh, the former Arizona Coyotes draft pick Mitchell Miller signs in Slovakia mm. after he was, of course, denied that contract with the Bruins ultimately um, last November with all that criticism. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see the fate of these five players. Uh, yeah. it, it seems to be five. I, again, the names haven't been released. People have their sneaky suspicions about who the five are, but you wonder what fate uh, lies for them after whatever suspension mm-hmm. is served even. Uh, there are reports out of Switzerland that Sven Berchi, the former Vancouver Canuck, is going to retire. He had a uh, disappointing la- year last year back home in Switzerland. We discussed that later in the show with Frank Corrado and Chris Gear, two guys who intersected mm-hmm. with Sven during his time in Vancouver as a Canuck. Then there was this. Uh, we talk about how the Canucks are improving in a lot of ways here, and 
including front office managerially and the contracts they signed. Dom Lecision of The Athletic did a study and a ranking of NHL team contract efficiency. The Vancouver Canucks rank 18th. And as Lecision writes, quote, this is as close to the middle as the Canucks have been in a long time. Yeah, true. <laughs> Florida's number one, Chicago is 32. Of course, Chicago has just handed out some Veteran, uh, I don't know yeah. what you want to call them. Candy contracts, favors to veteran guys yeah. to, to come on in and, and be a um, running mate for Connor Bedard. Um, and, of course, they don't intend to compete this year, so they have been very generous with those contracts. But Kuzmenko and Pedersen um, and even Hughes, I think, are all on what would be called sweetheart deals. Um, Funny right you mentioned that, Blake. The Vancouver Canucks receive three a grades for contracts mm-hmm. from Dom Lecision. Hughes and Pedersen score A for their contracts. Kuzmenko is an A minus. Yeah. So, you know, you would like to see more A contracts. And look, entry level deals where a guy performs typically get, you know, are amongst the most valuable contracts you can have. We'll see if Vasily Putkols and Nils Hoaglander or some others can provide that sort of value coming up this year. But as we talked about on Canada Day and going into Canada Day, this management group with Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine has stayed away from the Albatross contract. JT Miller may well turn into that because they are paying him into his mid-30s, and I'm not necessarily sure that contract will age well. But credit to Miller. He has played very, very well here as a Vancouver Canuck. And right now, as he enters this new deal, is not yet one of these anchor contracts that we became accustomed to under the Jim Benning regime. So No, his contract just seems fair. Like, it, it doesn't seem necessarily efficient, but it doesn't seem uh, like it's costing you right now. Again, right now. Um, $8 million for that player seems fair. Yep. For J.D. Miller. BC Lions in Winnipeg tomorrow to face the Bombers. A showdown of the top two teams in the West. BC's already got a win in Winnipeg this year. They get Dominic Rimes back at wide receiver. He missed last week's game in Edmonton. They will be without Josh Banks at defensive tackle. And, boy, Banks and Barron have been very good in that interior D-line for the Lions. Of course, the whole defense has been very good. Uh, Those positions don't tend to get the accolades, but stopping the run is a big part of playing defense, even in the three-down CFL and Banks and Barron have done their job there. You wonder whether Winnipeg is going to attack that. The Canadian second-year player Nathan Cherry is listed as the starter there. they got an American backup, Marcus Moore, who will also fill in. Also some Canadian special teamer changes here for the Lions. Defensive back Patrice Rene uh, and running back Kieran LaFrance are back on the roster to help on the special team side. And as we have talked about all week, if BC wins this game, Dane Evans is going to start a quarterback again for uh, Vernon Adams, who gets another week of rest here. If BC wins this game and moves to 7-1, and one, they are all but assured, even before the midpoint of the CFL season, of hosting a playoff game. Whether or not it's the West Final, whether or not it's the West Semi. But if you win this one, unless the bottom completely falls out in the second half of the season... You're looking at a second straight year where you're going to be hosting a playoff game. It will give BC 
ample time to sell that game. I know Farhan was daring to dream about maybe 40,000 at BC Place if you can host the West Final later this year. But really, if they get the job done tomorrow in Winnipeg for a second time this year, a lot of the heavy lifting in season 2023 will already be accomplished. Yeah, I mean, they can be a pretty mediocre team the rest of the way. Um, rotate some players in, get some players, you know, into the, uh, develop some players, pay, uh, maybe even over the second half of the season and still be pretty confident. They'll not only get a home playoff date, but at that point with the tiebreaker earned, again, this is assuming a win versus Winnipeg, but if, if they knew they had that tiebreaker over Winnipeg and with two more wins, I mean, my goodness, you could start to rotate guys in knowing you're probably hosting the West final. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, they've case. already done a little bit. Yeah. of load management with the quarterback. I think we're seeing that this week with the tailback, Mizell and Shivers, and with this receiving group, uh, which, as we say, uh, all year, um, haven't had many games, if one, where the entirety yeah. of your starting receiving core has been healthy. So everything coming up, BC Lions, this week. Uh, they're home a week from Saturday to face the Calgary Stampeders, a 4 p.m. kickoff at BC Place. We talked to Vanny Sartini yesterday up against the MLS trade deadline in the summer transfer window, and boy, have the Whitecaps made news today. Blake, explain. Well, none of it official from the club just yet, but Tom Bogert, who rarely gets it wrong in Major League Soccer, is reporting that uh, Richie Lorea, who was re returned to Nottingham Forest from uh, TFC after his loan was complete there, is now set to sign with the Caps on a loan for the rest of the season. Um, and then there is the assumption that both the Caps and Lorea would work towards a designated player contract for the following year and beyond and, and remain a member of the Vancouver Canucks. So there we, we talked about how you cannot just delete Julian Gressel from the lineup and say, it's okay, we're still good. Um, but you can't put Richie Larea in back in there and say, it's okay, we're still good. I mean, that is a, a top-flight player, a little bit different player than than Julian Gressel, um, and it is a little bit curious. He's generally on the right side, um, which would kind of be um, redundant with a guy like Javane Brown or Matias Laborda, but Larea does play on the left from time to time as well, so maybe we see uh, that change for him. But regardless, it's a quality, quality player, and there's still some reports that they're still kicking tires on other players, including another possible national team acquisition in Sam Adekube. They also picked up a couple of U20 players uh, that we know less about, but some with uh, with some acclaim out of Tunisia and Nigeria as well. Um, they've also re-signed Ranko Veselinovic mm -hmm. and loaned out Deber Caicedo to uh, junior FC in the Colombian League. So uh, they're saying goodbye to Deber Caicedo, who just was not the same this year after that uh, knee surgery in the offseason. Yeah, and uh, Vanny said it. He wants a, a wide player. Uh, joked about how he was messaging through the media to Axel Schuster. So Larea fits the bill there. And then for my money, Blake Atacube would be righting a wrong. You're, you're talking about a Vancouver Whitecaps FC youth player who was with them through 2017. There was a lot of development time that went into Adekube, and he's flourished since leaving Vancouver, uh, as you mentioned, ma uh, making a Canadian national team, playing at the World Cup. So. And and Larea, you know, most people know him as a TFC player, but Nottingham Forest, acquire him as a championship player. Um, you're, you're adding a championship-level player and potentially, and we'll see if Adekube can get across the finish line, but if he comes in too, a Turkish league player, I mean, that's... 
that's a big improvement for the second half of the season. No, not second half, final third of the season for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. Was Nottingham Forest not Premier League last year, or did they just get promoted? I think th- I thought they just got promoted, oh, the, perhaps. Yeah, they won the 22 championship. I thought they were a Premier League team last year. I stand to be... Uh, I uh, stand to be correct. 22, 23, you're right. They were, yeah, yes. they were a Premier right, But he League. wasn't with them during the Premiership year. He would have been only with them during the Championship gotcha. season a year ago. Uh, we're giving away a four-pack of tickets to see the Whitecaps play Friday at BC Place against Tigra. This is in Leagues Cup. A huge Mexican side is coming to town. Text hashtag Whitecaps to 778 9680. That's 778 402 9680. Hashtag Whitecaps will be announcing the winner on tomorrow's show. It was two years ago, Monday, that the Caps added Ryan Gold, Blake. You'll remember two years ago the, the disaster over at Starlight against Pacific FC. And then here came this Scottish playmaker. Uh, he tweeted, enjoyed every minute since being here in Vancouver. Does he even talk about trying to get him Canadianized to play for the national team? Although we've got a little bit of a worry about Friday. He's played a lot of football here, Blake, and he is so central mm-hmm. to the Caps uh, to the Caps attack. So hope he's good to go on Friday, uh, but he's one of many uh, Whitecaps player nursing knocks here after what has been a lot of football over the course of this season. The all-time assist leader already, right? Mm-hmm. So what a couple of years it's been for, for Ryan Gold. And uh, maybe their best signing, maybe the best player in team history uh, when you look at what he's accomplished. Yeah, yeah I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trade deadline came and went without a Teoscar Hernandez trade, Blake. Yeah, yeah. The former Blue Jay, now Mariner, free agent-to-be, who was on the block, or at least so we thought, as the Mariners continued to tear down a roster this year that was reasonably competitive and probably had some upside here with that starting staff. But Teoscar Hernandez remains a Mariner. I know there are a lot of upset people in Seattle with the way Jerry DePoto has handled this trade deadline. Uh, Dave Softy Mahler, amongst them, the KJR Sports Talk radio hosts, as he put it, again, 100% why the real failure was failing to improve the offense over the offense. It's like DePoto was too stubborn to fix what he didn't fix in the offseason, and that was the offense. It was like he was like, no, we added Wong, we we added Hernandez, that should be enough, and refused to give this team more of a run. As Mariners Muse, a fan site blog pointed out, the Brewers trade run trade deadline, relatively inexpensive acquisitions of Carlos Santana, Mark Hanna, and Andrew Chafin would have been perfectly adequate for the Mariners, did not cost them top prospects at all. And so if you're a Seattle Mariner fan, I think you feel hard done by by your organization here. And boy, what if they do get on a run here like in the next couple of yeah. months? How stupid this is going to look from DePoto. And the M's management should note Vancouver Canadians win again last night, Blake. They are the first Blue Jays organization or affiliate to get to 60 wins this year. They win 4-3 at Hillsborough. 60-36. and 36. The Vancouver Canadians have not lost consecutive games 
for two months. And this is in a sport where you play six times per week. The Seas have not lost two in a row since June 2nd and June 3rd. They're back at the Nat Tuesday, which features uh, an appearance from one of the all-timers here, John Gibbons, former (laughs) Blue Jays Jays manager, if you want to watch him waddle around Nat Beatty. Bailey said nobody has quite the With a little smirk on his the face. Little gates, and, yes, yeah, yeah. of Gibby. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by De Dutch to breakfast, to brunch, to lunch. Get it all at De Dutch. We'll speak with Frank Corrado. He's back from vacation. TSN hockey analyst, former Vancouver Canuck. We discuss the Canadian Seven, the career of Sven Berchi, Andre Kuzmenko's training in Bali, as well as the Flinka Gretzky tournament, which Frankie is calling. Chris Gear, uh, after some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, has launched a new firm called Blackfin. It involves a number of ex-employees of Canucks Sports Entertainment. He'll tell us what he's up to staying here in town and trying to lure more big sporting events to town. And he also talks about the career of Sven Bertschi, who he intersected with at the Canucks. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. For years, Vancouver Canucks fans comforted themselves with the knowledge that they weren't the worst of the Canadian Seven. The Ottawa Senators, under the bizarre stewardship of late owner Eugene Melnick, were the most dysfunctional Canadian NHL franchise. Then came a full teardown rebuild from the Montreal Canadiens, just one one year removed from an appearance in the Stanley Cup final, and the Canucks had some breathing room. They were the worst of the worst in the Canadian lot during that Canadian division year in the pandemic, but the Habs and Zens have saved them from that indignity in four of the last five years. Don't look now, but the Eastern Canadian teams are getting better, and the race to stay out of the cellar is upon us. The Senators added Jacob Chikrin at the deadline last season for draft picks, signed Vladimir Tarasenko, Yunus Corpusalo in free agency this summer. Plus, they got several young players, Stutzlet, Kachuk, Pinto, Sanderson, who figure to improve from with more experience, not to mention a healthy season from top six center Josh Norris, who missed almost all of last year. The Canadians may well occupy the Canadian basement for a third season running, but progress is evident in Montreal, too. They're deep at center. They developed young defensemen last year and 2023, 2022 first overall pick, Uri Slavkovsky, should improve and play a whole season after just 10 points in 23 games in his rookie campaign. Now, as we've discussed this summer, the Canucks need to jump several teams to make the playoffs and two Western Canadian clubs squarely in the crosshairs. The Winnipeg Jets, Calgary Flames, they were the two teams battling for the final Western playoff spot last year. Winnipeg got in, Calgary just missed, 
and they may not be done with their summer makeovers. Jets may well trade goaltender Connor, Connor Hellebuck after moving center Pierre-Luc Dubois prior to the draft. And there's Calgary, which has rid itself of coach Daryl Sutter, but the damage may already be done with Elias Windholm, Michael Backlund, and Noah Hannafin already indicating that they want out. The Canucks may get some help from their old Smythe division rivals, but the cellar dwellers back east are rising. And staying out of the Canadian 7 basement, well, it may prove more difficult this year than in the in the recent past. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at secaresomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's a great clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sikaris, at Sikaris and Price. And the welcome, Matt, is a presentation of great clips. Download their app today to find a salon near you. And there's 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And the weather's getting a little cooler, but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer. That's summer heat. With workshop spirits, ombre margarita, hi there, hard lemon iced tea, and hi there, our peach iced tea will keep you feeling tropical all year long. End of the workday, treat yourself to a yellow dog, neighborhood, or workshop spirit. Here's Price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia in particular and the Nero EV is the one we want to tell you about because right now you can get into a fully electric vehicle that is more spacious than you could possibly imagine at this price point. $44,995 for the premium trim all the way up to the limited at still just $52,995. And right now you can get it for 6.49% financing over 84 months. Yeah, the electric revolution is here and you can afford it. Go to Applewood Kia where it's Matt. All good at Applewood. Bodog poll question, who will be the worst team among the Canadian seven next season? Montreal, Ottawa, Vancouver, or you can vote other. And if you do, please specify in reply. Voting at Some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. Denny McCarthy, believe it or not, is the favorite to win the Wyndham Championship. Now, he's in good standing in the FedEx Cup points. It's a lot of horses for courses logic underlying this pick. So I'm going to take him to win at 20 to 1 on your Bodog line of the day. And it's our pleasure to welcome back from his holiday. And he'll be joining us Wednesdays here going forward through the summer. Former Vancouver Canuck and TSN hockey analyst, Mr. Frank Corrado. How you doing? How's your summer? I'm good. Yeah, mm. it's been good. It's nice to be back with you guys. Had a little time away, a little vacation, and uh, now we're, we're back in the swing of things. We had Halinka Gretzky kick off in, uh, from the TSN studios and uh, back up with you guys. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. nice to get the juices uh, going again. Uh, indeed, uh, my friend. We're going to uh, ask you about the Vancouver Canucks, the Canadian Seven here, Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. In a second, but you were telling us there off air, Holinka Gretzky is kind of a tough tournament to broadcast because this is the first time where you really get to know these players. They don't have a lot of history going into this tournament, and yet uh, still there are already some terrific draft prospects on this Canadian side, including an exceptional player, Michael Misa of Saginaw in the OHL, as well as a couple of right-shot defensemen. 
which could well yeah. be top 10 picks next year in the draft. Henry Muse and Zane Parekh, uh, two, uh, two more OHLers. Yeah, I mean, like Misa is every bit of the word exceptional. He's, he's, he's quite the talent. And, you know, for a young player to be doing what he's doing in that tournament, kind of leading the charge for that team, it, it's very impressive. And, and, and Zane Parekh, like I remember my 16-year-old year being a defenseman in the OHL. It was basically survival. He scored, I, I believe he scored 21 goals this year with Saginaw. I would be hard-pressed to think that I got more than 50 shots on that as a 16-year-old in, in like 60-something games. Like I know there were times where I left the rink as a 16-year-old, and I can honestly say I didn't need to tape my stick in between periods. I, I didn't touch the puck very much. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of talent on the Canadian side. We've been, uh, myself and Victor Finley, we've been calling the U.S. games. Um and there's a player on that team by the name of Trevor Connolly, who's going to be going to Providence College uh, in 2024. He plays for Tri-City in the USHL. Like, I, I think that's a name people will be talking about maybe in the late first round, early second round uh, when it comes draft time. He's, uh, he's quite the talented player, and he's very hardworking. Like, he's got a motor that doesn't really stop. And, um, you know, for the U.S. team, as I'm sure people know, um, it, it's not the national team development program. This is not their... Uh, this tournament isn't part of their schedule, so it's a little bit of a best of the rest when it comes to the American players. And no Cole uh, Iserman, uh, for instance. In no, area. yeah, exactly. No Cole Iserman. So there's, you know, you don't have that. Uh, that'll you'll see that in the spring. But you know, this is the official opening, I guess, for all the scouts. Um, so so there isn't much of a history on these players. And you know, if you're a player playing in this tournament, basically, you want to put yourself on on everyone's radar. So they're making you know, as many trips as possible to come see you play throughout the course of the season. Now's the time to catch their eye. It's too bad that the U.S. doesn't send the development team because for the rest of the world, everybody's available. Like you could make this a full on best on best and the U.S. kind of ruins that a little bit. Yeah, and it's weird because it's in the middle of the summer because some teams chose to do an evaluation camp. The Canadians this year chose to just choose their team uh, and, and bring the players that they're, which, which I kind of agree with. Listen, to, to start having, you know, almost a week long evaluation camp in the middle of the summer, there's players that have to get ready for seasons here. There's players coming off injuries. Like it, it almost seems just a little self serving to have uh, all these players come into a camp and then a bunch of guys not make the team. So I, I like the fact that Canada identified who they're going to take and they're bringing those players in. And, um, yeah, li- listen, you have, if you're the Canadians, you have every great player at your, at your, uh, at your d- dis- disposal. But when it comes to the end of the season tournament, um, you know, the Americans will have their best and Canada won't because there'll be a lot of CHL players playing in the playoffs. So, um, there's, there's two opportunities there missed to have true best on best at the under 18 level. Speaking of off season training, have you caught Andre Kuzmenko and his Rocky four exploits? training in bali i did yeah listen i listen you're you're gonna go on vacation at points as a player and you kind of have two options there are are you gonna not work out for the week that you're on vacation or are you gonna try and make do um and and get a workout in so so good for kuzmenko for doing that um i can appreciate that and i think people you know if you're being critical of the fact that he's doing these weird workouts and he's in a obscure part of the world where, where hockey players don't train um, listen, man, everyone's got to take a little time off for themselves. Like it, it is what it is. And I, I would say, I kind of commend the fact that he's chosen to, to go there and, and continue his off season training. I think there's, there's something about certain players where it's like, 
they'll take time off in the middle of the summer or they'll get a, a couple days off from the gym in the middle of the summer and they don't even want it. Like they just want to keep that, um, that momentum that they've had going in the gym and their training. And, um, you know, that, that's probably part of the program for Kuzmenko, just keep things going. And there's a lot of creative ways you can do things nowadays. How much yeah. does one week on the beach ruin what you are? Like you, you, all these guys are fine tuned machines. If you decide you're going to do one week of imbibing and, uh, you know, the buffet in the morning and all the bacon. How much does that set you back? Does it hurt to get back on the bike, so to speak, uh, a week later or two weeks later? Uh, I, I think it maybe the first couple days you start to feel it. Maybe your conditioning goes a little bit or some of your numbers. Like I know there's a lot of guys where they're working out in the gym and they have a pen and paper and they're keeping track of, of all their numbers, right, week after week to make sure things are going in the right direction. You know, when you come back from something like that, you're not necessarily hitting the numbers that you may have been hitting the week before. Uh, but the great thing is if you've laid so much foundation work properly leading up to that point, it doesn't take that long to get back into things. So a week off um, is actually not the worst thing in the world. And, and a lot of gyms, a lot of trainers actually do what's called a deload week in, in, in the middle of the summer. And they do it by design to basically give your body an opportunity to just kind of reset, recharge in the middle of the summer. And they'll full well know going into the next week that your conditioning might be a little behind, your your numbers may not be as high, but then they see those numbers skyrocket in the following weeks because you were able to take that week off. So I think it's important for players to keep that in mind as well. Calendars turn to August. When When are you in ramp up mode? Two weeks away or how far away? I, I think as soon as you see the calendar turn to August, then you start thinking, okay, like I'm on the ice three to four days a week coming up here. Like I look at it like August 1st hits and it's six weeks away. So you want to be on the ice a decent amount. You want to be um, getting your, your summer training into more of a like speed focused program, right? Um, I, I think you do a lot of heavier lifting earlier on in the summer when you're not on the ice as much, because, you know, if you're doing heavy lifting and then going on the ice, that's when you kind of risk that, that injury in the summer that we see guys get to. So you're almost transitioning away from the heavier weights, getting into your speed work now. And as that gets going, the weight is going to drop a little bit and you'll get on the ice a little bit more. But uh, for me, I, I always like to be ready September 1st. And just it just gave me a two week buffer to know that, OK, if I'm not if I'm not feeling great, I have two weeks to get where I need to go. Um, there's some players that will kind of look at it and say, OK, the first week of August, I might still be on the ice two, three times a week. Um, and as we go throughout you know, this month, it gets to four and five. But uh, pretty much as soon as you see that August 1st, you know, flip over on the calendar, it's like summer's starting to get to an end here. And, you know, it's like less afternoon golf rounds and more. I got to go from the gym to the ice and then I got to go home and cook myself a good meal and get some rest because, you know, we're essentially four to six weeks away from wanting to be, um, you know, at your physical peak. Well, speaking of training camp, uh, Frankie, and the outlook for the season, we're asking today on our Bodog poll question who you think the worst of the Canadian seven teams will be this upcoming season. And, we ask that in part because I think a lot of people are taking a new look at the Ottawa Senators and saying, hmm, that's a pretty good-looking team. Now, Montreal has been the worst of the Canadian Seven the last two seasons, and it was Vancouver before that. But you tell me, and of course Calgary and Winnipeg, we're still kind of waiting. Are they going to shuffle things around? But what do you make of the Canadian Seven, and who do you think might struggle most 
this coming year? It, for me, it's still the Montreal Canadiens. And there's just no expectation based on the roster that they have there that they're going to be a team competing for much in terms of a playoff spot. Um, and there's still a lot of turnover that needs to happen in Montreal. Like there's some contracts there that are going to expire at some point here, whether it's uh, next summer or the summer after that. And I would imagine Kent Hughes is saying, okay, like, let's just get to the point where those contracts expire because they're, they're too hard to move. And we're not going to, we're not in a position where we want to start throwing in sweeteners. So as long as you have that going on your team, it seems like it's difficult. Now, Vancouver is in a different position because Vancouver has a couple contracts that maybe you'd like to move on from. But Vancouver has a number one center, a number one defenseman, and a number one goalie, like true studs in the NHL. And you can build around that. And they have um, done a better job of building around that. Like for me, the Canucks are a team that if everything goes well, they should be in the playoff mix, like within a few points. Like I, I would imagine, you know, with the way the blue line can play out this year, a, a full year of Heronic if he stays healthy and Carson Soucy on the back end, like Ian Cole playing on your, your third pair. I like the way that blue line looks. I, I like the way the, the cap structure lo- looks on that blue line. And, um, you know, th- there was never a real issue as far as wingers go for the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, if Rick Tockett can have the team playing better defensively as five-man units up and down the ice and, and everyone stays healthy, like there's an opportunity for the Canucks to make the playoffs there. I don't see that for the Montreal Canadiens. For the Ottawa Senators, like the expectation is they're a playoff team and, and not just sneaking in. Like they, they absolutely should be a playoff team. And I think, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian took a risk with Alex Debrinket bringing him in. It didn't work out, but essentially he's found a way to turn Debrinket into Kubalik, who has the potential to play in the top six, but he's a top nine guy who has been productive. And, um, you know, if you've watched him play ever, uh, you can be a fan of the way he plays. He plays a hard game. He's, you know, he's a great skater and he, he's a busy kind of player. Um, you know, they, they bring in Tarasenko who can replace some of the goals that you lose in Dabrinkit. They bring in a young prospect. That's not going to matter. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like, um, you know, the, it's a nice piece to have. A healthy Josh Norris is going to go a long way. Like, I, I'm a believer in his. I, I think he's an outstanding player. And um, if, if he stays healthy, he'll have an opportunity to show that. And they rebuilt their blue line. So there's no reason why the Ottawa Senators should be anywhere near the bottom of the standings. Um, just going through the other Canadian teams real quickly. Toronto's going to be a good team. Edmonton's going to be a good team. How can you not with the players that they have signed uh, up front? Winnipeg Jets. I, I think that's a slam dunk, the uh, the trade that they make for Dubois to bring in Velarde and Iafalo. Um and, and not only are they players that you're going to have under contract and cost-controlled for a little while, they're actually good players who can help you now that are young. So that's great. Um, and, and then when it comes to Calgary, like if Jonathan Huberto is an 80-point player again, if Nazem Kadri has, has a good bounce-back year, and, and the biggest one of all, Jacob Markstrom, like if he plays like a $6 million goalie, that's a team that should be um, in the playoff mix as well. So, you know, you, you go through the list, there's six Canadian teams that should be, um, you know, in the playoff mix. And there's one team that they don't have the expectations to be, nor should they with what, um, you know, kind of roster overhaul they need to go through. Is there a risk that the Flames just circle the drain? I mean, they, I know the, the GM and the coach are gone. The environment should be wholly different, especially with guys that you think would be very player friendly and Conroy and Aguilar around around them. But it still seems like guys want out to some degree uh, and are promising to yeah. not resign. Like I just wonder if it, there's still just dissatisfaction and discontent there, 
in in the room that that will dog them all season long. Not to yeah, mention it, potentially more shoes to drop here trade wise yeah, with some of these it, it, UFA yeah. and RFAs to be. Well, exactly right. It, it's going to be difficult. One of the big challenges for them is going to be get, getting everyone on the same page and buying in early on. Uh, just because you know that okay, Elias Lindholm hasn't resigned. The team would like to. They haven't done it yet. Michael Backlund essentially doesn't want to be there in the long term. Noah Hannafin essentially doesn't want to be there in the long term. But, you know, like that can't turn into an attitude thing in the room where it's like, ah, I don't even want to be here. I don't like if you're a player that's signed there with some term, it'd be very advantageous to walk into that room and find ways to get everyone together and on the same page and everyone believing in the, in, in the program right now because, it, you know, they, they kind of got what they wanted. Like Daryl Sutter is not there anymore. So it's going to be a different approach. And that should help a player like Jonathan Huberto, who, you know, he needs to live up to $10.5 million. That's a big contract and he needs to be that player. Um, you know, he doesn't need to be 115 points, but man, like, you need to lead the way for that team and be part of the solution. And, you know, the, the, the circumstances should fit with Jonathan Huberto uh, in the way it went last year with Daryl Sutter. Lastly, Frankie, uh, Sven Berchi, our old friend, announced his retirement today, only 30 years old. He was in the Swiss League last year, but, of course, you overlapped with him in Vancouver and in Utica, uh, tell us about the guy you know and why you think it didn't work out better for him here in Vancouver. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And I, I know he had concussion issues along the way, but he was such a skilled, talented player. And I remember when we made the trade for Barchi and we knew we were going to get him in Utica for that playoff run. It was like he, he brought our team to life. He, he really did. Like we brought in Barchi, we brought in Corey Conacher, and all of a sudden our team had this different look to it. And we were dynamic and we had these playmakers and we had guys who could finish. And uh, Barchi was, was that for our team. He played on the top line right away. Um, you know, he, he scored so many important goals throughout the course of that playoff run. And he was just such a, such a nice guy to be around, uh, you know, a great addition to our locker room that had a lot of like high character guys to begin with. And he fit in so well, but um, you know, as far as our team's game on the ice, we needed that dynamic element. And it was just like, as he fit in so well and he came into that group and it just, it just came to life. And, and, and it was um, you know, it's unfortunate that his career is ending and um, you know, a, a player that was drafted high and, and had high expectations. Listen, you get to the NHL. Um, he, he lived out his dream um, not every, you know, NHL career is built the same, but, um, you know, I'm sure there's some great moments along the way. And, and if anyone, uh, you know, anyone that played on our team in Utica, when, we, when we brought him in, you, they could tell you that, um, you know, him coming in that room, just, just changed the way our team looked, changed, changed our, our outlook on games. And we kind of had this team where we knew that, um, you know, no matter what kind of game we were going to play, uh, we could win that game. And if we didn't have Barchi, we, we, we wouldn't have been that team. So he was a, a, a massive, massive piece for yeah, us. Yeah, he was languishing a bit in Calgary. He came on over. He was a point per game for you guys in 15 games down the regular season and then eight goals in 21 games on your run there to the Calder Cup Finals. And, of course, uh, you were on that team, Jacob Markstrom, the aforementioned on that team, and a, a whole bunch of guys that we would come to know as Vancouver Canucks. Frankie, marvelous stuff. Thank you for this. Welcome back, North America side, and we'll catch up next Wednesday. Thanks, guys.
It's a Carrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group, and hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter, brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. A recent Sakarison Price listener contacted Jason one, more, one month before their mortgage renewal. Jason noticed they could get out of their mortgage, get a lower rate, even with the get-out penalty. They saved money. Had this listener waited for the bank to renew, would have cost them $7,000. That's the advantage you get with Jason Hominick. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. At TSN underscore sports, Jamaica has done it. Jamaica eliminate Brazil with a draw and book their ticket to the round of 16. Um, we saw a lot of uh, odd dis- odd uh, results in the Women's World Cup, uh, particularly in the late stages of the group stage. Did we and, ever. And uh, a Jamaican draw with Brazil was not on most people's bingo cards. No. And in so doing, eliminated Marta yeah. from her final World Cup. She joins Christine Sinclair on the sidelines, having not made it out of the group stage. So, I mean, there were two incredible scenes here in the last 24 or 48 hours from the FIFA Women's World Cup. Not just Jamaica advancing it. And Blake, Jamaica was clean sheet through group play. They Crazy. did not allow a single goal, first Caribbean team to enter the knockout stage of the Women's World Cup. And then there was South Africa through for the first time to the round of 16. And there was some celebrating going on with the South African side on the pitch in the locker room. And then before they got on the bus, yeah. they posted video of everybody singing and dancing a traditional celebration song before they got on the bus. So it has been uh, a topsy-turvy World Cup down under, and who knows who's going to win this thing at this stage of the game. Well, like, and- I mean, I, I guess the U.S., if they find their form, are still the heavy favorites here, but the way this thing has gone, who do, we could have a total, total upset final with a couple of teams that had no business or had no intention or had no uh, expectation that they could be there playing for all the marbles. No, I think I think the uh, women's game has been shook uh, because it really has the depth of the field. We talked about this yesterday a little bit, but it's just more more evidence. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's anybody's tournament. It's crazy to say. Mm-hmm. And the um, Jamaicans, do we know who they're playing next? I don't have a bracket. Th- uh, oh, they have. That's right. They uh, still to be determined. So. Yes, um, South Africa is going to play either Switzerland or Spain going forward here in the quarterfinals. Okay, from me, at Oren Weisfeld, covering the Canadian men's national team, this is basketball, which centralized yesterday in Toronto in advance of the FIBA World Cup. Canada basketball GM Rowan Barrett says, so far so good on Jamal Murray's health, but the medical team will have to make a decision on him closer to Sounds like he is not 100% to play in Jakarta. Yeah, it sounds like the Denver Nuggets star and NBA champion from Kitchener, Ontario, will likely miss the pre-tournament games. Who knows how much he's going to play at the World Cup. As others explain there, it has been a long season for Murray when you look at the fact he played into, into mid-June. Then there's this from Josh Lewenberg, and of course... You get the pledges from basketball players, but then you actually got to see who shows up. That has been an issue in the past. Everybody showed up. Murray's a little ding, so he may be the one NBAer 
who is unavailable. Then there's this from Josh Lewenberg at JLU1050. Barrett said there was interest from guys that weren't part of the, quote, summer core, but they opted to stick with the players that made the initial three-year commitment. Hmm. He's open to other guys playing in the future and invited them to attend, attend camp as spectators. Leonard Miller took him up on it. Leonard Miller was the 33rd overall pick in this past draft to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And um, perhaps coincidentally, coincidentally, perhaps not, Chris Boucher had a scheduled workout at the same facility that the men's national team was at yesterday. So who knows, Blake? We could be seeing a uh, uh, a script flipped here as well with all the NBA players wanting to get on board the Canada train after this FIBA World Cup. Yeah, I mean, we've been dreaming of, of everybody, all hands on deck, the very best 12, and we haven't really come close to seeing that. We've had probably 60, 70% buy-in is sort of the, the best case scenario, not necessarily buy-in. Sometimes it's been injury and contract situations that have that have uh, made it impossible. Um, but maybe we're getting closer um, as, as these tournaments get closer and as everybody gets better. And mm-hmm. if NBA champions start to say, I want to play, I mean, doesn't that lead the way for the rest of them say, you know, if this guy's a champ yeah. and he wants to play, maybe it's not weird for me to want to play here as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a good sign. It's a good sign for uh, the game in it's a tough group country. with it's a tough group. They they've got France uh, in their group, uh, Latvia as well. But by no means should they finish any lower, lower than second in this group. And, and quite frankly, they should probably win it. They they probably should because of course, uh, Mister Wimbayama is not playing. So no, no um, disappointment here. Um, Carly Lloyd walking back her opinions. Oh. oh. Yeah. I thought uh, she was spot on in her analysis, but it sounds like someone got to her. At SI now, I was very critical of the team last night. I've had some time to reflect, to sleep on it, and I want people to understand that I care deeply about this team. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm was sure evidence. I'm sure you do. Doesn't mean you have to walk back the comments. I mean, you're being hired on TV to have an opinion, and that's what it's all about. And you do worry about ex-players sometimes jumping onto the tube and, and spouting opinions and holding back because they are afraid of backlash because they are critical. It was a fair comment from Carly Lloyd. There's mm-hmm. no need to walk it back, but um, this is the problem. It gets very insular in, in yeah. the ex-athlete um, domain, and sometimes they get influenced to to not speak their mind. I've got one more. Are you out? Yeah, I'm out. Okay. At Province Sports. No one knows his exact age. Even his name is uncertain. Some call him Smokey. Others, Midnight. For at least the past decade, after Coors Field in Denver has cleared out of ballplayers and spectators, a feral cat, again, maybe Smokey, maybe Midnight, mm-hmm. <laughs> has prowled the 76-acre facility that is the home, of course, of the Colorado Rockies of Major League Baseball. Earlier this year, a team of dedicated caregivers who have fed Smokey and other Coors Field cats, of course they're feral, uh, decided that because of disease and old age, it was time for Smokey to leave the stadium for a quiet home where he can spend his golden years. But fear not. 
Coors Field still are running cats, feral cats. And they think that this has been going on for the entire 28-year existence of the stadium. Barbara Ford, who worked as a meter reader in Denver in the 80s and 90s, told the Denver Post a couple of years ago that feral cats have lived in the neighborhood for decades, long before the ballpark even opened, and that there was a kind woman named Sharon who worked downtown at the time and would spend her lunch breaks feeding the feral cats. Smokey among them. Anyways, Smokey is in good hands now and waiting his or her forever home. But the feral cats still roam after the lights go out at Coors Field in Denver. Wow. And that's hashtags for today. Our next guest is a former assistant general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. He just yesterday launched a consulting and law firm earmarked for businesses, teams, and individuals in the sports and entertainment world. It's our pleasure to welcome Chris Gear back to Sikorsen Price. Congratulations. Nice to hear your voice, see your face again. How are you doing, Chris? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you both for having me and uh, for giving me a little bit of a platform for the new business. And uh, it's nice that in the future you can refer to me as something other than a former something. That's right. It's always <laughs> nice to have a current something. Yes. <laughs> he, right. is the, he is the principal of the Blackfin Sports Group then. Uh, let me redo that, Chris. Tell us a little bit about Blackfin, who you are and what you do. And, uh, of course, this team you've assembled, which uh, a lot of familiar names there. Yeah. Um, you know, Blackfin was really born out of wanting to do what I know and love. And that's the sports entertainment industry that I've been involved with for you know over 20 years, from my six years with Vancouver 20 Olympic Committee to uh, 12 years with the Canucks, and then even the media bits with Daily Faceoff and working with the Canadian Olympic Committee on a 2030 bid. It's, it's really what I've done forever and what some of the people that um, I've got working with me have done forever. And so uh, it, was, it was an opportunity to stay in Vancouver. Uh, you know, I've, I've built my family here. My kids are in school here. My wife's got a good career here. Uh, chasing an NHL opportunity around North America wasn't really ever something that appealed to me. Um, my, my preference was to stay in Vancouver. And, you know, I just looked at, there, there's so many great things happening in Vancouver from a sports perspective, whether it's FIFA or Invictus Games or, you know, there's events, Great Cup, the Lions are doing great things. The Whitecaps are starting to find their, their mark. And so there's, there's, there's lots of great sports in Vancouver. And then the other thing is the world is small these days, um, you know, through zoom and through the ability to connect digitally uh, we can work with, with companies in the U S across Canada uh, and internationally. And there, there may be a certain uh, entity in Switzerland that we're already doing some work with. So it's been, uh, it's been really great um, just, just to build this and to talk to people in the city and in the sports community and, and get their enthusiasm for what I was proposing to do. And then building out the team, uh, you saw the board of advisors. Uh, there's, there's eight people, four men and four women who have just incredible 
career histories in sport. Um, all people that I've worked with, some I've worked with on two occasions uh, at both the Olympics and the Canucks. But, you know, when I approached each one of them for the particular skill set that they provide, and, you know, obviously we've got a communications professional, a marketing professional, a government relations professional, uh, hospitality, sponsorship, and then capping that off with uh, an NHL icon in Trevor Linden and Olympic gold medalist in Christine, Christine Nesbitt, uh, just have this, this breadth of talent and experience that can add to our group. And they won't be day-to-day in the operation, but they'll, they'll contribute whenever we have a reason to call upon them or where we have a client that could use their expertise. And so when I reached out to each of them, it was just this overwhelming desire on their part to help and to, um, to, to see us succeed. And so it was really, it was, I was so grateful uh, that they were so willing to jump on board without hesitation. And it's, it's been fantastic. So we'll, we'll see how it all evolves, but uh, excited to get started. Is that Swiss operation you referenced the IOC or are you already doing business with the IOC, Chris? Yeah, there, there was a, a pre-existing relationship, obviously, from my time at Vanock. So we're, we're finding ways to, to help them. I can't comment on that too much just because of their, uh, you know, their, they've got professional relationships with, with firms that are sponsors. So, so ours is, is not mm-hmm. anything like that, but, gotcha. uh, but we can provide them a little bit of help. Yeah. Gotcha. Can you see a world in which your group helps to land big events in Vancouver? Do you think that's an avenue that will be explored? I would love to do that. Um, you know, I think we're going to, we're going to be open to a lot of different things at first. Um, some will be strictly legal. Some will be helping to bring about partnerships, whether that's on the corporate side. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunity to help brands. We've, we've been on the property side for so long, uh, you know, me in particular with the Canucks and with, with Vanock, that I've seen how the property tries to sell itself and what assets it wants to give and how it approaches, you know, conducting events and, and putting on spectacles. And so I think there's an opportunity for us to work for the brands out there that want to be connected with sports and, you know, show them our inside knowledge of, of working with, with teams, leagues and events. So I think there's an opportunity there. Um, but really anything working with, with athletes to help them brand themselves, uh, working with event organizers to bring in suppliers and services and, you know, things that again have done for years and years with, with Van Ock and with the Canucks. And I think there's, so much happening in the sport world that we can help with um, bringing an event to the city or helping to bring, you know, a new team or to develop women's sports or whatever it is, we, you know, we're ready to help and, and we think we have the expertise to do that. So um, yeah, it'll be exciting. Well, um, of course, if you're bringing events to town, you must work with Michelle Collins, the tour de force who does so much of that for our community. Blackfin, wherever did you come up with the name, mm-hmm, Chris? Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, th- there's the obvious connection. Um, the, the, the logo on on the chest uh, at my former organization obviously was important to me, and um, you know, I think the orca is such a, a strong and powerful animal and is so representative of the West Coast. And I've always liked the animal itself, irrespective of of what it represented in Vancouver, but. Um, yeah, it's a bit of an origin story. It's where I developed um, my career most fully and became a, an executive and uh, something more than, than just a lawyer where I started my career. 
Uh, and the other thing is, you know, I, I feel in a sense that um, it, it was stripped from me and, and this is my way of claiming it back a little bit. So, mm. so yeah, the, the Orca fin will, will stay important to me in a different way now. It's a good way to make an homage without uh, getting yourself in trouble. And I know you know how to walk yeah. that line. So uh, well done. Well done on that uh, to be sure. Uh, moving on to some of the uh, the news of the day here, uh, a guy that uh, you would have had some contact with, Sven Bershi, uh, appears to have called it a career in Switzerland, and we've sort of been reflecting on what could have been for him, who uh, had some good early years. Like for a guy in his mid-20s, it looked like Sven Bershi was going to be a National Hockey League player. What do you th- Was it just health? Was it, was it that hit from Thomas Heike that ultimately spelled the end for Sven Bercher? Do you think he was going to be in tough to be a regular everyday NHLer? Well, I, I think the, the beginning of career of his career was, was really strong. And, you know, sometimes, um, sometimes a player on a weaker team maybe shows better than he would sure. on another team. And so I think there was an element of Sven played higher in our lineup than, Maybe he would have otherwise, but he did show a lot of chemistry with Bo, and he did have a lot of offensive talent. And I think that injury really did set him back and just, you know, changed the way he played and, and maybe changed his willingness to have some of the battles on the wall or in tight around the net. And so, you know, though that's a pretty scary injury when you have, you know, severe concussions and, and you know, brain trauma like that, that I think it is hard to come back from. And so, uh, yeah, I do think Sven could have had a, a much more significant NHL career, um, but I, I'm glad to see that he had some time in the Vegas organization and, and then played in Europe. And, you know, he's a really, um, he's a really good person. Uh, you know, he and his wife and, and kids were, were a, a big part of that organization and the, the culture because he was, he was such a, a good person and you can never have enough of those guys around your locker room. So, uh, if this is it for him, I, I certainly wish him well. And, uh, yeah, too bad to hear. Uh, lastly, Chris, we saw you tweeting after the Sebastian Ajo contract extension in Carolina. And, and um, you, you think that's reasonably good news, the deal that Ajo and the Hurricanes came together on for the Vancouver Canucks and their efforts to re-sign Elias Patterson. Explain. Yeah, I just think that um, the way salaries have been going, there was a potential for Ajo's deal to be above ten. And the fact that he came in at 975, uh, you know, I, I think he's a strong comparable for PD. Uh, I know PD had significantly uh, more points in this last platform season, but from a from a goal scoring perspective, from an overall team contribution perspective, a defensive awareness perspective, I, I think they're actually quite comparable. And so, you know, I think PD will get more, but I don't think the gap should be so significant. I think the bigger gap will be if you compare PD to the the Pasternak's and Matthews of the world who have scored, you know, I mentioned this last week with, with Blake and Jeff, but, you know, 55, 60 goals, um, you know, that's, that's a whole different dimension. And, and this league still pays for goal scoring. And so I think when you're talking about, um, you know, the numbers that, that Pasternak and, and Matthews are at, there's a, there's gotta be a significant uh, discount. To where PD is, so I, I see PD as being above Aho, but not approaching those numbers. And you know, somewhere between ten and ten five is probably a realistic number. Which, you know, given where where salaries are at, I think is uh, is something pretty reasonable for the Canucks at this point. August second, still a lot of time left. 
when would you begin to get concerned about Patterson and the extension? A month from now, when the season starts, when training camp starts, what's lay out the timeline for me? Put your AGM hack hat back on. Lay out the timeline for me to when you would want this deal done and when you would be concerned if it isn't yet done. Yeah, I mean it's a tough question because obviously there is still time. I mean they could go all the way to to the next trade deadline really before getting something done and usually those sorts of dates and pressure points is what really forces people into action um you know the the longer they wait there's the potential for pd to start the season and if he if he's on pace to score you know 50 to 60 goals then the number only goes up so you obviously want to get it done sooner than later he's the you know, he along with Quinn and Thatcher are kind of the cornerstones of your franchise going forward. So yeah, you'd love to lock it up early, but keep in mind the, the agents are going to control this process more than the team, unless the team just overpays to get it over with. Uh, if you're trying to get a reasonable deal and fit, fit it within your cap structure, the agent's going to have a lot to say about that. And so they may be waiting to see where the market goes or if other guys sign over the next few months that, that help PD's case. And so it's not going to be easy that no amount of desire to get this done is going to make it happen if, if the other side doesn't want it equally bad. So um, it'll be interesting to watch. I don't, I don't know that I'd be concerned unless I'm hearing the wrong signals from PD's camp, as long as they're still engaged in a dialogue and maybe the number's not quite right, but they're still active in the dialogue, then I think I'd, I'd still be reasonably comfortable to to let it play out. Mm. But uh, let's ask you this. It, 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 they don't want to get into a qualifying offer year, right? They don't want to get into an arbitration settlement. Do they, they, they would just want a clean signing. Would that be failure to get to qualifying offer year? I think so. I, you know, it's, it's still an option available to you. If, if things get a little dicey and you want to just say, yeah. look, we've still got one more year to try and figure this out. We'll qualify them. He can play on that contract. Um, we can either look for an extension or use that period of time to trade him. But, you know, obviously, like I said, he's he's so key to your franchise that it's much better idea to just try to lock it down now. But, again, if, if things go squirrely, that, that is a, an arrow in their quiver that yeah. they have to be able to take out if they need it. Well, marvelous stuff, Chris. Thank you for the analysis there. Congratulations on the formation of Blackfin. We look forward to its activities. And and for those who don't know, Trevor Linden's part of this, former Canuck COO Trent Carroll is part of this, former Senior VP of Comms Chris Brumwell is a part of this. So it's a fantastic team. Uh, we're in your corner. Wish you the best, man. Catch up soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate uh, all the support and the time with you guys over the last uh, year and a mm-hmm. half. It's been fun. So hopefully we'll keep it up. Harris Price from Wall Center. A presentation of Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Here are some omissions from yesterday's program. Well, first and foremost, there was this segment yesterday, which was hijacked by the hiccups. Better today. So lack of air, the, the omission of I air. Don't is that know. Uh, who knows what causes the hiccups? And please don't send me the explanation. The explanation. I don't. Yeah, I don't need the wiki. I don't care. Uh, and then I said uh, the Canadian basketball team on route to the Philippines 
Uh, their pool is actually in Jakarta, Indonesia. It's a sort of odd hosting arrangement for the FIBA World Cup where Japan, Indonesia, and the Philippines are all involved in hosting hosting games and hosting groups. Time now for Blake Price's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got. Time for Layla Annie Fernandez to get going here in the hard court season. Uh, there's a couple of women's tournaments. They're in Washington, though, taking on Maria Sakari. She's the underdog, but not by much, plus 135 on Layla to get her game going. On your Bodog line of the day, thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to follow us wherever you subscribe to us and Rankwide, wherever you get your podcasts, and then follow us on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, and, of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.